You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. Good morning. It's good to be with you. Uh, We start a new worship series called Jesus of Nazareth. Much like our study that will happen on Wednesday, it's good to get back to the basics this time of year as we start this season of Epiphany, uh, this time of learning of the miracles and the wonders and the stories of Jesus. We're going to spend some time with Jesus over the next couple weeks. Uh, Today, we begin with pondering that great question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's a great verse. You know, Nathaniel, after being told that that Philip had found the Messiah, his response was, can anything good come out of Nazareth? What a great question. So we start with John chapter 1, the first chapter, beginning with the 43rd verse. It'll be on the screens, it's also online, and it will be in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, "What? Well, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. And there he found Philip and said, follow me. Now, the Gospel of John begins with this mind-bending proclamation that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This this new reality of the way that God is dealing with the world, that, that wisdom, that Word, that logos, has always been with God, and all things were created through it from the very beginning. Or, as the the message translation says, God put on flesh and dwelt among us and moved into the neighborhood. This wisdom of God, this, this word of God moved into our neighborhood to reveal the truth. And then the Gospel of John jumps right in. It says, the next day, Jesus did this. And the next day, Jesus did that. And then the next day, Jesus did this And that, the next day, he found Philip 
and said, follow me. Now, it's not the case that the Gospel of John is, is wanting to set out a systematic, timely, orderly gospel of what happened. For example, John is not concerned with our notion of time. If you flip through this first chapter of John, it'll say, Jesus did, on the next day, Jesus did this. On the next day, Jesus did that. On the next day, Jesus did this and that. And then it says, then on the third day, Jesus went to a wedding in Cana of Galilee. By my count, that's the fourth day, but that's not John's point. Another example, and this is great, this is fantastic. In John chapter 11, it says that Jesus went to the, to the home of Martha and Mary, Mary the one who anointed Jesus. The fun thing about that is that anointing doesn't happen until John chapter 12. It happens in the next chapter. John is not concerned with your notion of time, of the way things should be ordered from point A to point B. What John does want to have happen, however, is John wants you to remember and John wants you to feel. To remember and feel. John's gospel begins with, in the beginning was the word. And that is supposed to remind us of creation itself. In the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, right? And in that creation account, it says there was, there was an evening, there was a morning, the first day. Which is why John orders his gospel to say, the next day, Jesus did this. And then it says, then waters were parted. There was an evening and there was a morning the second day. Which is why John then says, the next day Jesus did that. John wants us to recall creation itself because when this word takes on flesh, when this word dwelt among us, it was ushering in a new creation. From this day to the next day to the next day until we all, as I said a couple weeks ago, all find rest in God. The next day, Jesus did this. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. <clears throat> Listen to these words. He found Philip and said, follow me. Then Philip found Nathanael. And he said to him, we have found the Messiah. There's a lot of finding that's happening in this story. And it, it, it's not the kind of finding like if you lost your keys or you lost the remote, you know, to the TV. Oh, I found, we have, we have three remotes for our television and living room. Uh, we should have four because we have four kids. So that gives each one of them an opportunity to lose the remote per day. So at the end of the day, we try to find all three remotes to the television before going to bed. This is not that kind of finding. This kind of finding is an intimate discovery. Like finding something to be true. You have found the truth. Jesus found the disciples and in turn, the disciples found each other. It's like the parable of the lost sheep. Which one of you having a hundred sheep would leave 99 to go search for the one that is lost. Sometimes we think that discipleship is being that one lost sheep 
knowing that you are lost, and then finding your way back to the fold. That is not the story that we've been giving. Jesus found Philip. Philip found Nathaniel. We are called to find one another. Not just where were you, but to be with each other. To find one another in Christ. One year, um, we were at Disney World, shocker, uh, and uh, we were going through the Magic Kingdom. Isabel was about, I'm going to say, four or five years old. And as we're going through uh, the Magic Kingdom, we start to turn left into Adventureland. Isabel started following another stroller into Tomorrowland. And it took us about what, in my defense, by the way, Mary and Joseph didn't know that Jesus wasn't with them for like three days when they traveled away from the temple, right? For us, it was about, all these terrible things happen when we're at Disney, but we still keep going back. I'm not sure why. Um, uh, so Isabel left, and it was about 10 minutes before we realized, oh my God, where's, where, where'd she go? And we taught her before going, uh, as, as we did all of the kids when they, were, when they were really young, if mom and dad are lost then go find someone who has a Disney name badge and just stay with them. They, they will help find mom and dad, right? Because in these situations, Isabel had no idea that she was lost, that she had gone from the family. It was we who were lost. Being lost is a tricky thing because we're not quite sure we are until at least we, we are found and sometimes we treat our own being lost with great offense and with great pessimism. We have found the Messiah. He's Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel, with great pessimism, says, can anything good come, come out of Nazareth? Sometimes we are so lost that even good things we meet with pessimism and anger and frustration. And that's typically because we don't know just how lost we are. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? What fantastic pessimism. <laughs> of course, Nathaniel wasn't talking about his own town. It's one thing to talk about your own town and your own people. Like, you can make fun of my mama. You can't make fun of my mama. I can make fun of my mama, right? He's not talking about his own town. He's talking about Nazareth, something over there, out there. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of those people? Can anything good come out of that party? Can anything good come out of that administration? Can anything good happen? Well, you know, sometimes the answer can be no. <laughs> But here's what Philip does. Philip doesn't chastise Nathaniel, doesn't tell him to grow up, doesn't say, well, I gave it a shot. Philip said, okay, come and see. Come with me. Come and see. Come and see what exactly? Come and see the truth. Jesus' ultimate concern in the Gospel of John is to convey the truth. And sometimes we are so lost, we don't know the truth when it's staring us in the face. I was out of town most of this week, 
uh, in a continuing ed conference. Um, rarely do they have those anymore, <laughs> but I happened to be at one this week. So I started working on the sermons Saturday afternoon. And you should, you should pray for my family when I'm out of, out, out of town because I come in Saturday afternoon and I just kind of pace around the living room because I don't have a sermon yet and I just kind of talk about it out loud. If you're a staff member of Asbury, you've been a victim of this where I just kind of talk out loud about something until something comes up. And I was searching for a metaphor for truth. I need a metaphor for truth. I, need, I can't just say Jesus is the truth. I need a metaphor for this. And then Isabel, my 13-year-old, Isabel comes from downstairs, goes in the fridge, grabs an apple, starts walking through the living room and says, hmm, why don't you just talk about an allegory of a, of a cave? Because it's a story about people who would rather be chained up looking at shadows instead of like being free and seeing the truth. And just like walks. Like, who are you? Right? What? What? You know, they're listening. They're always listening. I wish they would show that more with homework, but they're always listening. Love that. Just use the allegory of a cave, big guy, you know. Okay, well, let's talk about allegory of a cave, right? Plato's cave, allegory of a cave. So in, in, in this thought experiment, in this story, right, there are prisoners who are chained against a wall. They cannot look right. They cannot look left. They can only look forward. Behind them is a fire. And anytime something passes in front of the fire, what they see are shadows on the wall. The problem is they've never seen anything else. They believe the shadows are real. But then one of the prisoners escapes and he gets out of the cave. Now, initially what happens, he gets out of the cave and, and the light is blinding. He's never seen sunlight before. before. The, the light is blinding, much, much like Saul on the road to Damascus. He is blinded when his eyes are opened. But eventually his eyes adjust and he sees trees and people and water and reflections and color. But then he goes back to the cave to tell them about his experience. But when he goes back to the cave, he now can see nothing because the darkness is so vast. And they think he's been harmed by getting out of the cave. They think there's something wrong with him. He's talking about all of these things and colors and people. And, and when someone attempts to bring them out of the cave, they'd rather kill that person out of fear. They would rather be chained up to the wall looking at the shadows than see the truth. Sometimes we are so lost, we think the shadows we see is reality. Jesus' ultimate concern in the Gospel of John is the truth. Sharing that truth, experiencing that truth. Pilate and Jesus, near the end of Jesus' life on earth, He's sitting with Pilate, and Pilate asks him, well, what, what is truth? And why that, that, that question was asked, because Jesus just prior said, for this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Every, and here's the thing, everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Everyone who belongs to, belongs to the truth. In other words, the truth is not so much an assent to doctrine or teachings or to make sure you have all of your P's and Q's on the religion checklist correct. So much as it is something to which you belong. Those who belong to the truth hear 
my voice. In other words, the truth is not found. The truth finds you. The truth finds you where you are. How do we know? How do we know we are belonging to the truth? How do we know that the truth is within us? Well, for starters, Jesus says, those who belong to the truth hear my voice. Do we hear that voice? Do we hear Jesus when he says, blessed are the poor? Do we hear Jesus when he says, blessed are the meek? Do we hear Jesus when Jesus says, love your neighbor? Do we hear Jesus when Jesus says, love your enemies? And before we think that following Jesus is all puppy dogs and butterflies and rainbows, Jesus also said, woe to you Pharisees, because you're hypocrites. You tithe mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, which is justice and mercy and faith. You have neglected the law, which is justice and mercy <laughs> and faith. Yes, there must be justice. Yes, there must be accountability, accountability, but not to the point where one is destroyed. Justice, mercy, and faith. How do we know we are part of the truth? It is because of the fruit we bear. If the fruit that we find ourselves in is destructive, where people are harmed, where no good is coming from Nazareth, we are not with the truth. You know, it's interesting, with Jesus was with Pilate, part of that conversation about truth. Pilate says, Jesus, your own people have turned you in. They, they, they call you king, and yet here you are in front of me. Your own nation has turned you in. What do you say to that, Jesus? And Jesus said, my, my kingdom, my kingdom is not of this world. This world meaning the world that Rome has built, a world that operates through power and money and influence and greed. My kingdom is not of that world. And then he goes on to say, well, and if it was part of that world, about power and influence and money and greed, and if it was of that world, then my followers would take up arms and keep me in power. The actual verse says my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over. But that is not my kingdom. That is not the world I came to proclaim. That is not truth. It's not the world that God created from the beginning. Where this day to that day to the next day is full of truth, is full of light, is, is full of reality. So that our vision is not obscured. Where we can see clearly. Where violence will be a thing of the past. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? I sure hope so we certainly need it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. God of spirit and truth, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. Help us to see clearly, and not to only see clearly, but to act 
justly, with mercy, with grace. Help us have the courage to find one another where we are. Help us even when we are in the pit, when we see only shadows, help us to know that we still are found in you. May your spirit send us forth from this place with eyes wide open to your compassionate truth of a creation that is good, of people who are worth finding, and ultimately a kingdom that is not of this world, or at least doesn't play by the rules of this world, so that heaven and earth might be one, and all of your children counted as a child of God. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.